you're invited to the block party. Here's your hosts, Ben Curtis and Kevin F. McNulty. Welcome everyone inside the first ever episode of Block Party. He's Kevin McNulty. I'm Ben Curtis. Thanks so much for joining us on the WMUC Sports official podcast for everything Maryland volleyball. Kevin, so good to have you on. So excited to get this going. Yeah, I'm super excited. Uh, I know WMUC Sports is getting the podcast up and running this semester that we don't have any sports to cover, of course, until two weeks from now with uh, the first football game. But yeah, a volleyball podcast. I've said it to a bunch of people. If there's a non-revenue sport at Maryland that you need to follow, it's volleyball. And I covered them last year for the Diamondback. um, And and it was really exciting. So I'm I'm really glad uh, to get started here with you. Yeah, shout out to our good friends over at the DBK. They do awesome work. I've covered uh, Maryland volleyball as well with WMUC Sports and with the Big Ten Network as well. So Kevin and I are definitely big Maryland volleyball fans over the course of uh, this next series of podcasts. We're going to be looking back at the 2019 season ahead towards what a spring 2021 season might look like. We're going to look around to the rest of the Big Ten. We might talk to some other experts from around Big Ten schools. Uh, we'll talk to some of the biggest names in Maryland volleyball as well on this podcast. Today, we'll be talking to the boss himself. Adam Hughes will be joining the podcast in a little bit. And we'll have a little bit of fun, too. Not too much, but a little bit of fun uh, <laughs> here on Block Party. But, Kevin, we'll start looking back on the 2019 season. Went 13-19. and 19, Maryland did 5-15 and 15 in the Big Ten. It was good for a tie of 10th out of the 14 teams in the Big Ten. But it was a season filled with a lot of adversity, specifically on the injury side. Yeah, I mean – Last year was definitely a difficult season for Maryland volleyball, to to say the least. Uh, five and fifteen in the Big Ten. You mentioned the wheels kind of fell off there at the end, uh, going I think uh, one and ten in the last eleven games, and it was a season where they had expectations. Maybe for the first time in a very long time, certainly for the first time in the Adam Hughes era when he took over in 2018, he exceeded all expectations. So a lot, a lot that changed the trajectory of the program, um, but it was definitely still an exciting year. Yeah, absolutely. As you mentioned, the Terps dropped 10 of their last 11 games. To finish out 2019 campaign, seven of those games were against ranked opponents. It really just shows how tough it is to play in the Big Ten, uh, especially nowadays. We'll take you through what their out-of-conference uh, schedule looked like last season. The Terps started off winning their first three games, including a Power 5 win against Kansas State. They came home and got their first home win of the season back in early September against the Howard team that's really on the up and up. They were conference champions each of the past couple years. Then they hit the road to San Antonio, and they won one of three, a win against UTSA in the final game of the UTSA Classic. They dropped games to UT Rio Grande Valley and Houston. Then they came back home to College Park for the Maryland Invite, took two of three in that little mini tournament, including another Power 5 win against Arkansas, a big win against Princeton as well. Then they hit the road to Columbia, South Carolina to finish off the out-of-conference schedule, and they took two of three, but they did drop a five-set game to South Carolina. And at this point in time, Kevin, Maryland sitting going into the Big Ten season, they were looking at an 8-4 and four record, which is quite solid and out-of-conference, but they had already lost Nicole Alford, who missed the first nine games of the season. She was super, super important in that setter position in 2018, and she never really was fully healthy last year. No, she wasn't. I mean, that's part of the adversity that you were talking about. She was their sole setter in, in 2018, and she just wasn't there to deliver because she had the foot injury for the first nine games. And you're right, she was in and out during the conference season as well. 
Um, Sam Snyder, the senior last year, stepped in her place, uh, finished almost 500 sets on the year, uh, a little bit more than Alford in the end. But that was a really tough thing for the Terps to get over during the non-conference season. And I think eight and four coming out of non-conference, they were feeling okay about that given the injury to Alford. But I mean, losses at home to, to George Mason and, and maybe that five set loss to South Carolina were ones they wish they could have had back. Uh, but I, I do remember they were feeling confident going into the conference season last October. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Samantha Snyder really stepping up. It was an admirable job by the senior, but you look in 2018, uh, Nicole Alford by herself had over 1,000 assists, and then Snyder and Alford combined last year for only 946. So when you take away the talent of Nicole Alford, Snyder did a great job. Uh, she's a serving specialist as well, but uh, you know that's a big drop-off when you have to factor in the fact that your starting setter, uh, the player who you've been rolling with in 2018, and she had a great 2018 season, never really fully healthy. She came back into the Big Ten for a little while, she left again on October the 30th in a game against Wisconsin. And like we said, she never really felt comfortable uh, with her with that foot injury getting back into the rotation for good. Katie Myers was also a, a tough injury for Maryland to take. I will talk a little bit more about her later. But there was a big weekend in early November, November 8th and November 9th, two games at the Xfinity Center Pavilion against number six, Minnesota, and number eight, Wisconsin. This were some of Maryland's last chances to get a, a big marquee win in the 2019 season and before that game against Minnesota Katie Myers was ruled out and Maryland didn't take a set either of those games. No that, that was definitely a low point for for the team during the conference play. Um, and you talk about regression from 2018 you know being 18 and 14 just missing out on the NCAA tournament then going back and being 13 and 19. One of the key components of, of that regression would be Erica Pritchard um, who was still led the team with 417 kills, but that was down from almost 500 in, in 2018. And there were games last year uh, during conference where, you know, you expected Pritchard to get 10 plus kills and they, they just didn't come. Uh, so certainly that weekend when, when Myers went down, the Pritchard had to pick up the slack against two of the best teams in the country. And it just didn't happen. Yeah, in that game against Minnesota, Pritchard had 12 kills, which was a solid day. But when you're going up against Adonna Rollins and Alexis Harden, that Hugh McCutcheon squad that Minnesota has, it, it, we, you kept feeling that we were going to get the special Erica Pritchard game that you saw in 2018, that game where, you know, Maryland doesn't necessarily have everything going together, but if they're able to get the first touch over to the setter and Pritchard's able to get on the end of it, she can kind of propel the team forward that didn't really happen against a, a a big team the way that it did maybe in 2018 you think about that win against Michigan which is probably the biggest win of the Adam Hughes era so far going into Ann Arbor and uh, taking straight sets against the Wolverines and a lot of people thought that would propel them into the NCAA tournament obviously didn't the Terps one of the first teams out in 2018 and then 2019 the injuries really knocked them a step back there were some really solid moments uh, we were talking before the podcast started about that win at Indiana and Bloomington in November it was the only conference win on the road this season, but it was a really impressive one. Yeah, it was. And it came against former Maryland head coach Steve Aird, uh, who Adam Hughes took over for. Aird and Hughes are actually still very good friends. They're both part of the Russ Rose coaching tree up there from State College. And I'm, I know that that win felt really good 
uh, for Adam Hughes and the whole team to go on the road to Indiana. It was a tough weekend. If they dropped that one, they were going up against number 16 Purdue the next night, which they ended up losing uh, three sets to one, I believe. And for them to win that in the middle of the conference season that um, ended up might have been their, their last win in conference, that was really huge. And it meant that Maryland swept the season series against Indiana, beating them earlier in the, in the year here in College Park. Yeah, and with and, the, the former head coach air, that, that certainly got to feel good. And it really felt like in that game, Kevin, that was the team that Maryland wanted to put together. Nicole Alford was healthy that day. She had 50 assists. Erica Pritchett had 16 kills. Raynell Jones chipped in with 14 kills as well. Katie Myers had two service aces. That was the team that, that really Maryland thought they would have this season, and they had a lot of success in that game because of it. Yeah, they did. Everything kind of came together on that night. And when you look at the Big Ten slate as a whole, as we mentioned, the best conference in college volleyball, and no question, you're going to have to go up against Wisconsin, Minnesota, Nebraska, and Penn State for sure. And when you look at your schedule when it comes out, they kind of do a rotation. I don't know how it's going to work uh, in a twenty potential 2021 season this spring. Um, but usually they have a rotation with who they play twice and who they play just once. And when Maryland got their schedule for 2019, you had to know they were circling Northwestern and they were circling Indiana as two we got to have if we're going to get into the tournament. And while they did it against uh, Indiana, probably the worst loss of the season coming off of uh, a game in, in College Park against Illinois was ranked had one of the best players in the country come onto your turf again. Then they dropped one in Northwestern late in the season. And that's when you kind of knew that, you know, they didn't have that magic. They weren't able to come over, overcome those injuries. And, and that Northwestern loss really hurt them. Yeah. That Northwestern loss, especially stung because uh, Maryland took the first set. And then the second set uh, went all the way to 29, 27, and eventually Northwestern was able to pick it up. And Maryland pushed hard, won the fourth set, and then the fifth set was all Wildcats. And, and that was just about that uh, in terms of the home slate for Maryland. A 2019 season, perhaps to forget some things beyond Adam Hughes's control, like we talked about with the injuries to Nicole Alford and Katie Myers. And now we look ahead to where we are right now in, what are we, mid to late October of 2020. Um, yeah, like Brendan Hartlove said over on the Ludwig Lowdown, another one of our Maryland podcasts, if you were living under a rock these past eight or nine months, uh, we really envy you um, because a lot has happened uh, and not a whole lot of it good um, for Maryland volleyball, for the world. But we'll take a look at where we got to this point, how we got to this point from the final Maryland game of the season in 2019. It was a four-set loss in Iowa City to the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, that was back on November the 30th of 2019. Flash forward all the way to March 10th. Katie Myers enters the transfer portal. Uh, we said that she had some injury problems back in 2019. Knew that she wasn't going to be part of the, what we thought was then 2020 Maryland volleyball season going forward. Two days later, March 12th was the day that the world stopped, the, way, the day that sports stopped. Uh, some games were halted mid-game uh, back in halftime in the Big East basketball tournament. Games were postponed and canceled right before Games were supposed to start. I remember Kevin sitting in my dorm room, getting ready to watch the Big Ten regular season tournament. I was a Big Ten conference tournament, should I say. I was getting ready to fly out to Indianapolis with Brendan Hartloff to cover the Big Ten men's basketball tournament for WMUC Sports. 
And only two days after Katie Myers puts her name into the transfer portal, the world shuts down essentially due to the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah, obviously we all remember that week and um, us being huge sports fans, remembering, you know, how sports kind of came to a halt in stages and, you know, refreshing Twitter, see, okay, when, when is the big 10 going to make this call about given the uh, big 10 tournament um, and so much disappointment in that week. And then Myers was stuck having to leave campus and she had this big decision to make. She knew that she was not going to finish off her final two years of eligibility in college park. And I remember talking to her in April, right after she made the decision eventually to transfer to Minnesota and she was at her, her dad's home in Georgia. So she was all over the place last spring, but she was finally able to make that decision that she was going to stay in the big 10 and go to Minnesota golden Gophers. Yeah. That decision came in mid April. And then we flash forward to August 11th when the big 10 makes the decision to postpone fall sports uh, we thought at the time that would include football. Now they've changed course on that. But the rest of fall sports were postponed to the spring back on August 11th, the day before my birthday, by the way. And then September 22nd, the NCAA makes the decision uh, that they have the start times ready for the fall sports that have now been postponed to the spring sports. And women's volleyball will start January 22nd. I think news that kind of flew under the radar in that kind of release when all those dates came out was some difficult news for Maryland, I think. Uh, with the NCAA tournament being reduced from 64 to 48 teams and that at-large number coming down, really placing a higher emphasis on winning your conference, which, of course, Maryland and the Big Ten, perhaps the toughest conference in college volleyball, makes things a little bit more difficult for the Terps to navigate their way into the 2021 NCAA tournament. Yeah, and we get into it a little bit with Adam Hughes. I mean, they're going to be playing – within the conference the entire season. There, there's no warm-up games, you know, against Austin P or uh, UTSA to, to get those out of the way. They have to be ready to go right away. Uh, if it's in January, if it's in February, whenever it happens, if they want to be one of those 48 teams, it's going to be really tough. And you mentioned we were able to talk with Adam Hughes via Zoom. And so we will go ahead and throw it to that interview now. Kevin and I talking with the skipper himself, Maryland Volleyball Head Coach, Adam Hughes. All right, so we are here with Maryland Volleyball Head Coach, Adam Hughes. Adam, thanks so much for taking the time here on Block Party. Yeah, glad I could join you guys. Thanks for having me. So we want to take us first back to that day in August when the Big Ten postponed the fall season uh, over to the spring. We didn't know at the time what the situation was going to be, if we'd even have a season. What were your personal emotions that day, and how did you break the news to the team? Yeah, I think uh, we we had some um, – we originally thought there was going to be some challenges to the fall season, right? And as we were getting closer to preseason, we realized that we were going to be able to start at least practices, but weren't sure if we are going to be able to play. So we met as a team, and we talked a lot about how uh, we have to focus on what we can control. We had no idea. We didn't even have a Big Ten schedule. We didn't even know when we were really going to be playing matches. I mean, it was a, a challenge that we knew was going to be coming fast at us. So we tried to turn the focus on, uh, you know, sticking to our culture. Um, making sure we're making good decisions because in COVID it really matters right now, you know, just being disciplined as a, as a group, sticking together, you know, following all the health policies and protocols. And then, um, you know, we lost a lot of time training in March to May. That's our off season. That's our technical time where we can develop players. So we kind of switched gears a little bit and said, Hey, this is a chance to, you know, refocus a little bit in, in the early stages. If we get to play, we'll be ready. Um, but let's make sure we focus on ourselves right now and see what we can do with some lost time. 
Adam, you mentioned COVID protocols. You're, I see you're in your office right now. What has life been like in the Xfinity Center? How are things maybe different in your routines and everything? How's it going? Yeah, it's going well. I mean, uh, I think the first thing is we really trust what they put in front of us. You know, I give credit to a lot of medical staff. They've thought a lot about this. I mean, this stuff started literally in March. We were talking about how kids were going to be able to come back in the summer, what they're going to be able to do. Um, full disclosure, when we first started and uh, the players had some open workouts and some open gyms, I mean, they were li literally wearing surgical gloves and masks and three people a court. I mean, it was a juggling act, but, you know, that's what I talk to the team a lot. You know, those are the challenges. Those are the things that they pre present to us. And, uh, you know, your mindset and have you overcome those things are the most important pieces. So, you know, we, we went in stages, we went steps, we went from three people a court to masks and gloves to taking the gloves off literally to, you know, getting to, you know, eight players a court. Um, we started our preseason. We were no more than eight players on, on one court at a time. So it's been, um, I won't say it's a fun challenge, but it's really interesting from a coaching staff perspective to say, here's the limitations. This is absolutely new for us. We're not used to being in this. Um, you know, you got to come up with some new strategies, try to keep the people engaged because, you know, we, we weren't playing six on six till about two weeks ago. So it, it's been a change. And kind of flashing forward, if we can, to obviously hoping that there's a season in the spring, but if there is, it's going to look entirely different. And playing in the Big Ten, obviously one of the most competitive conferences in the nation, not going to have that long ramp up of out-of-conference uh, invitationals and out-of-conference play sure. before you get started uh, with really some of, the, some of the best teams in the country. So how has that changed your approach uh, when you're going into a season knowing you're going to be starting out with the kind of the big hitters in, in college volleyball? Yeah, I think the, the challenge will be you won't know much about your lineup. The, the nice thing about non-conference, and, and you see that with football right now, you get to see where some of your weaknesses are. And legitimately, you get to, to pick how hard you want to uh, schedule yourself. So if you don't know a lot, you can schedule down a little bit, try to find out what those holes are, give yourself a few weeks to figure that out. You're not going to have that luxury. But I will say it's been a really nice benefit if you talk to some of the coaches in the Big Ten. We really like having this period to train right now. Um, typically we end the first week in May and we don't see our athletes until the first of August. So that gap is really big. They haven't been able to do anything other than what they're doing on their own. Um, right now we feel like our, our players are in a better, better spot. They're, they've been training for a while. Our first touch is cleaner than it was. And so we'll probably come in stronger, but you're not going to know a lot about your lineups and you're going to have no idea um, what are the teams are going to expose. You're going to have to adjust pretty quickly. So I would say the other thing that's really interesting about that, as you mentioned, the Big Ten, obviously, I, I, not even close in my mind, that's the best conference in the country, but we're looking at a model where we have to play back-to-back -back nights. Um, so it'll be interesting where you might go to Penn State, you have to play them on a Friday, Saturday, and you know, you'll see what they try to present the first night. And if it works or doesn't work, you got to adjust and make changes. So that's something that we've been keeping an eye on, and, and the ACC is doing that right now. Um, I think that's going to be a, a new model. We're not used to doing that. Adam, I know you have a pretty good relationship with some coaches in the Big Ten, and with this fall being so unprecedented, have you have you talked to them about you know what what they're up to, you know, in in terms of training for a season, or also have you gone out of conference to coaches that that are in season and and asked how how that's going? I think we started talking to some coaches that were outside the conference, just you know, uh, colleagues of yours, but everyone has been in such a different world. You know, you've seen the SEC go one way, the ACC go in a different start date. We're all kind of in a different limbo. But I would say while the Big Ten is really competitive and, and obviously it's very challenging, um, we've been on a Zoom once, sometimes twice a week since March as head coaches, talking with the Big Ten, um, looking at what the people are doing, looking at the challenges that are in front of us. 
you know, I would say in a lot of ways, we've come together a lot more than maybe in the past, just because we kind of need to. And the one thing that's been very nice is the medical groups when we first started, started communicating a lot. Um, we're all trying to find out, hey, how are you handling this? And, you know, it's about safety of student athletes. You know, we're not competitive in that. We're, we're trying to share and help each other. And then I know you're really excited about the three freshmen you have coming in. You were top 20 recruiting class this year. Um, how are things progressing with, with those newcomers? And and do you think maybe they benefit from, you know, having this this whole fall to to gear up for their first time on the court? Yeah, I would say there's there's been, uh, you know, some some pros and some cons, right? So Sid Dowler, uh, a setter we brought in, she actually came in a semester early. And then within, you know, two months, we're, we're sending everyone home in March. So that's abnormal and, and uh, not, not uh, typical for a freshman to have to deal with those mental stresses. But no one's really been prepared for this. Um, I will say it's been a nice benefit for the freshman to get this time to train. Um, we're not throwing them to the fire to play against somebody else, trying to execute a scouting report. Um, we're really just trying to get them into our system and make sure that they know our lingo, they know what our assignments. And, and so I do think there's some advantages to the youngsters having that time with us and not feeling the pressure that they have to execute our weekend. And, you know, it's a little bit different, uh, you know, playing in front of 8,000 people at Nebraska than it is in our gym where we could slow things down on video. And Adam, your coaching staff is going to look a little bit different this year. Uh, Kristen Carpenter Stedman leaving Maryland. Uh, you're going to bring in uh, Kyle Thompson as an interim assistant. What is that going to make the play on the court look like differently? And also, what does it look like from a, from a locker room perspective behind the scenes? Yeah, we're, we're really happy for Carp. We call her uh, Carp. But Kristen uh, and, and their family got a great position, and it was a, it was a good scenario for them. Um, Kyle has, has filled in, and he's got a great mind for the game. Um, he's someone that has really – looked at trying to make sure things are systematic for, for some of the positions that, that we, uh, we've been focusing on, you know, for our first touch, but also, uh, you know, trying to, to, to keep all of our hitters in the same rhythm. So I think Kyle's done a tremendous job. He, as a director of ops, he's super close with the players to begin with. So they knew him. They, they trust his relationships already. Um, and I think the, the staff's done a really good job coming together during this challenging time. You know, you have to. We, we're still looking at metrics for – um, how often players are jumping in practice, trying to make sure that we're not um, walking into any stress injuries. So while Kyle has helped in a new role, you know, you've seen Melissa, our trainer, has done a, a, an incredible job working with us, um, making sure that as people come back to return to play, you know, we're doing it safely. Um, so I feel really, really good about where the staff is right now. And Adam, this year, um, mental health and particular me mental health among athletes has kind of been brought to the forefront of conversation. Um, kind of different than it ever was before. How will Maryland volleyball respond to athletes that that maybe be struggling, and how are you trying to keep keep up the mental health of your athletes? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, we're we're trying some new things. I mean, I feel like we have a really good support staff here. Uh, Dr. Garvin and and her group do a really good job. Um, they're a nice resource that can be outside of us that we don't even have to know. Uh, you know, if they're having an issue by themselves. Um, we've been trying to do some stuff. I, I'm not a huge team builder per se, um, but we, after we did about three weeks in the summer, um, we played kickball, we, we did a costume thing, we, we hit each other with water balloons, we just try to change it up. That's something that's a little bit new for us, and uh, I think the group had fun just, you know, getting outside their element a little bit. Um, we're also looking at uh, the NCAA rules have changed. So it's a little bit confusing, but usually you have kind of individual sessions where you have about eight hours per week, and then you have 20 hours, and you have to separate them. Right now, you can go back and forth a little bit, and that's been really nice. So next week, with a lot of our players having midterms, um, those are stressful things that, that impact us while we're doing the gym. 
So we're going to deload a little bit next week, take a little recovery in the middle of this training session, and then kind of ramp up before Thanksgiving. So I feel like um, that mental side is really important. And we realize it's not just volleyball, it's, it's everything that's going on right now. And so we're trying to be mindful of that when we take uh, our best approach. And Adam, before we let you go, we got to hold your feet to the fire a little bit. You tweeted back in September, you've been here at Maryland for six years now. Yeah. You haven't been to Marathon Delhi yet. What is with that? It's not even that. You want to make it worse is I'm like the biggest advocate of sport, supporting local. I mean, I literally, every meal we've been trying to eat out, we've been, uh, there's a Texas 250 barbecue in Riverdale, new spot. If anyone's looking for something, uh, we've been in Denison's, Franklin's, like anything local support. So um, I, I promise I will get there. Uh, I, you know, I, I, did, I thought they closed originally. I thought they moved and they were gone, and, and I got roasted for that. So that's my that's my fault. I'll take the I'll take the L on that. All right, restaurant recommendations with Maryland volleyball head coach Adam here, the new podcast. Yeah, uh, you check it out shortly. You want anything local, I promise. Once I cover that, I hit everything else. All right, yeah, Maryland Volleyball Head Coach Adam Hughes, thanks so much for taking the time. We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate being here. And that was the boss himself, Maryland Volleyball Head Coach Adam Hughes. And, Kevin, what are some of the biggest takeaways from your talk with Adam? I think, number one, uh, another sort of piece of news that fell under the radar this summer is that uh, Kristen Carpenter Stedman won't be coming back uh, next season for the Terps. And I think that is a pretty significant loss to the team. Stedman was two-time national champion at Penn State, had a relationship with Adam Hughes now for 15 years. Uh, she's not going to be around anymore. And I think we can't underestimate, you know, the power of having the female voice in the locker room who, you know, who, she's been there. She's won national championships uh, in the Big Ten, and she's won the Big Ten. Um, so things are, are going to be a little different without her. I know Kyle Thompson is, does a great job. Uh, Adam speaks highly of him. Uh, and that's where Adam got his start in women's volleyball too. He was the director of ops before becoming an assistant coach, uh, leading him to Maryland as the head coach. So I think Kyle can, can add a lot to, to the coaching staff, but, Carp is definitely a, a big loss for the, for Maryland. I thought what was really interesting was he talked about the time in between that kind of March to May when these students are student athletes are usually on campus and the coaches can work with them. They can kind of retool what might have gone wrong in the previous fall season and can kind of look ahead towards the next season. Because, of course, in March when everything shut down, our initial thoughts were with basketball season, with baseball season, lacrosse season uh, here on campus. And we didn't really necessarily think about those fall sports that had already finished and what that impact might be even before we knew that the 2020 fall season would be altered. And that's a big loss, especially for a Maryland team that wasn't necessarily the, necessarily the cleanest team in the Big Ten in 2019. A lot of things they can adjust, a lot of things that they can change, especially eventually knowing that Katie Myers is going to be leaving. That's going, that was a big hole that they were going to have to fill and not having that time to do it in person was going to be a, a really tough pill to take until we eventually learned that there wouldn't be a 2020 fall season and now all this time is available in the fall to train for a potential spring season yeah it's huge you can't you know uh, underestimate it um at all because they have that period where they're trying to, to clean up you know everything that, that went wrong i know they had way too many service errors in their opinion like across the entire season and 
you know, you're losing a player like Meyer. She led the team in aces as well as blocks. I mean, they're trying to get those block lineups set up. And I think that the spring is really important for that. And Adam kind of shared some of that. And he, he just mentioned that they've just recently gone, gone back to six on six uh, in, in the pavilion, you know, with masks on following all the protocols. Um, but it's October. I mean, they haven't really been playing playing volleyball uh, together since since March. So I think, given all of that, given all that time they missed, Adam might—he didn't say it—but he might be pretty grateful that you know they have until January to get ready. They have those those three newcomers, uh, which he speaks very high, highly of, and so did PrepVolleyball.com when they came to Maryland. And you mentioned the service errors last year. They had 291 total service errors the year before 203 so that was really a, a red flag in 2019 for Maryland that they'll look to correct uh, then finally the last thing that really stuck out to me was he talked about the potential of playing the same team on back-to-back -back nights you know we don't know what the 2021 spring season is going to look like but he mentioned going into potentially having to play a team like Penn State on a Friday night and a Saturday night back-to-back -back for a team that has these young exciting players uh, coming in with the, the top the top 20 recruiting class and then some of the veteran leadership from players like Erica Pritchard does this help Maryland does this hurt Maryland the potential of playing a Penn State and Minnesota Wisconsin on back-to-back -back nights it's gonna certainly be a challenge for them and there's no other way to say it I mean going up against Penn State two nights in a row that's a daunting task I know Maryland had one of their best matches of the entire season last last year in 2019 was actually a three to two loss at Penn State where Hughes went in there against his former coach uh, in Russ Rose and another great Penn State team and they hung with him uh, to the fifth set but doing that two nights in a row it is not very likely so I know things are definitely going to be different in terms of travel uh, we obviously don't have a schedule but I can't imagine you know, Maryland being on the East Coast, that they're going to want to be flying teams back and forth uh, too much from the Midwest. So think it's going to be different and, and it's going to be tough on Maryland, no doubt. And the final thing I wanted to talk about, uh, because they're just looking at that game against Penn State, like you mentioned, they, they fought really hard five sets. There were almost 3,200 people at that game uh, at Rec Hall. The Big Ten known for having huge attendance numbers. You look at the numbers in Nebraska, Minnesota, Penn State, they're overwhelming. We don't know what that's going to look like in the spring of 2021. Maryland with one of the smaller venues in the country, the Xfinity Center Pavilion that they normally play their games at, of course, they'll occasionally move uh, to the big floor over at the Xfinity Center. Uh, but with the potential of fewer fans, the pavilion can get really loud, but some of those hostile environments in the Big Ten can get even louder. So for a team that's going to likely feature a lot of young players, uh, does that help Maryland that maybe these, some of these younger players won't lose their composure or do these players, do you think, really feed off of uh, off of that energy in a building, whether it's positive or negative? Yeah, yet another aspect of this COVID season that we're expecting to be coming. They're not going to have fans, like you said, likely, or they're not going to have 8,000 fans at Nebraska, I, I hope. <laughs> but, I mean, it's certainly going to be different. And then you think about home matches. Well, maybe they want to have families in the crowd in the spring here at Maryland, but Maybe they want them in a more open area like the main floor of Xfinity. 
So maybe they're playing all their home games on the main floor, which they did not fare well last season when they played their one match there. So yet another thing that could be different, but you're right. It could very well help these, these newcomers, three of them specifically the freshmen, you know, adjust. And they have this whole, whole extended off season until January to, you know, kind of build chemistry with their teammates. Yeah. We've seen that the pavilion isn't necessarily the, the largest venue in the big 10, but it gets real, real loud when that crowd is into it. Uh, and so perhaps moving to the main court, which also can get very loud, especially when we've seen the men's and women's basketball teams playing there. Um, who knows what that's going to look like in the future, but another thing to keep in mind and um, what will definitely be an unprecedented season, just in terms of when the season is going to happen. And then of course, everything that is going to surround it before we go, we are going to make this a little mini tradition on block party. We've got a trivia question for you folks. We talk about Erica Pritchard. She's now into the top 10 in total kills all time for University of Maryland. But we want to know who has the most kills in Maryland Terrapins women's volleyball program history. The one rule for the trivia question on Block Party, no looking the answer up, no using Google, no using Yahoo Answers, no using Bing, no using umterps.com. We might not know, but you will know, and it will definitely haunt you. So no looking the answer up. You can tweet us with your answer at WMUC Sports. You can DM us at WMUC Sports. If you get it right, you might win a shout-out on the podcast, I guess. We don't really have uh, prizes. Um, that's what we might have get, You might right get now. Kevin McNulty to say your name live on Block Party. I think that's as good of a prize as we can offer. Or live. Hopefully we'll be calling football games soon enough. So Yeah, knock on quick, wood on that quick one. Quick minute. During the Ohio State game, we might have some time to – to talk about other things than football so who knows how that's gonna go stay mike tuned Loxley, the, <laughs> the gauntlet has been thrown down to mike loxley to keep the the conversation relevant against the buckeyes and big 10 one. east yeah absolutely uh kevin mcnulty this was a lot of fun uh the first of what will hopefully be a long series uh, of conversations about maryland volleyball certainly a lot of intriguing storylines as we head out of the 2019 season through a seasonless 2020, both in terms of the fact that there hasn't been a Maryland volleyball season and the fact that seasons and time in 2020 feel completely random, and then hopefully into a 2021 spring volleyball season. This is Black Party. Tune in all off season until we get going in the spring. You'll be so educated on Maryland volleyball, you'll know what to expect right from the get-go in the spring. What he said, folks, see you next time on Block Party.